Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. We're beginning a new series today called Where We Belong. Where We Belong. And over the course of the past uh, couple of weeks or so, I've been working with a leader here, Bridget Thomas, and you'll hear from Bridget and I through the course of this mini-series, docudrama, if you will, over the next four weeks as we head into Advent. Bridget's going to be teaching next week, and then we'll co-teach for the last two sessions of Where We Belong. And what this series is all about is connection, is connection. A couple weeks back, Bridget texted me this verse in John 15 about abiding in Jesus. And she said, I think this is it. I think this is what God is giving us for this new season of life at Vineyard Cleveland. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. Let's do it. The Lord's speaking similar things to me in this season about abiding, about remaining in the presence of Jesus. And so we're going to get after that in these next four weeks. And no doubt, four weeks is a really short time to cover this passage of Scripture. It's a very rich and deep passage of Scripture that we could spend, no doubt, months in picking apart exegesis and all of that kind of thing to see what Jesus meant when he said that he is the vine and we are the branches. But we're going to do our best in these next four weeks to find that we belong to Jesus. We belong in the presence of God, his Holy Spirit living inside of us, connected in intimacy together. This is where we belong, and no doubt we felt that intimacy and that connection with God, with others, tested and strained over the course of the past two years. We've seen ourselves live in isolation from one another, and we know that there's there's something wrong with that. We're meant to be connected to God. We're meant to live in connection with others, and so this series is all about a spiritual connection to Jesus that's healthy and right, and right relationship with others. Do you guys know Max Lucado? Max Lucado, a famous uh, Christian author, isn't his quotes? His books are like chicken soup, aren't they? They're just like so comforting. He just knows what order to place all of the right words, I feel like, with Max Lucado, like a warm blanket around you, he is. He says this, he says, God wants to be as close to us as a branch is to a vine. One is an extension of the other. It's impossible to tell where one starts and the other ends. The branch isn't connected only At the moment of bearing fruit, the gardener doesn't keep the branches in a box and then on the day he wants grapes, glue them to the vine. No, the branch constantly draws nutrition from the vine. Separation means certain death. This is all about connection. So I wanted to read the passage together and we'll be focusing primarily on the first couple of verses in the passage this morning. Let's read in John 15, if you have your Bibles or you had your Bible app with you and wanted to flip that open with me. We read this. 
This is Jesus. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man or woman remains in me, and I in them... They will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, they are like a branch that are thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Uh, We could just keep on going and going and going, listening and receiving and soaking in and receiving nourishment from the words of Jesus, right? How many times through that course of that, that little passage do we hear, remain in me? Remain, remain, remain. It's pretty important to Jesus. And this imagery of the vine and the branches would have been familiar to his disciples, to his friends, to those he was speaking to. This is happening right after the Last Supper. And the connection this week that I felt like the Lord gave me was like, this happens right after that thing that we just did, communion, as Jesus is raising the final cup right? The cup that we just raised with him for the forgiveness of sins. He says, I will, what? I will not drink of this cup again until the kingdom of God comes. And then as they're maybe walking out the door, Jesus sees a vine and maybe a branch and he says, I am the true vine. Isn't that powerful? They just received the cup together. And this is deeply rooted, to continue with the plant metaphor, in Israel's history. The idea of Israel, the people being the vine of God, is deeply rooted in their consciousness. And so these words wouldn't have been coming from left field. This idea of the vine and Israel being the vine of God, it's used quite often in a negative way in the Old Testament. It's used as um, in a way that says that the Father plants a people, a vine, Israel, but that vine has gone wild. It's gone crazy. It's unkept. It's, it's just out of control. Here's the goods right here. This is the last of seven statements that Jesus makes that are called the ego emi. 
The I am statements. He says of himself, he's the bread of life. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. He says, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the sheep's door. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says of himself, I am the true vine. And when he said this, his disciples, no doubt, their ears perk up, their antenna are lifted and raised to see what he will say about this true vine. This is right after the Lord's Supper. And in Genesis, we're given a picture of a couple of sons who are given a blessing. One receives a blessing and the other receives a birthright. And one of the only times that a vine is mentioned in the Old Testament, it's spoken of Joseph. And Joseph is called a fruitful vine. He's like the only character in the Old Testament that's called that. Jacob's son Joseph is called a fruitful vine. And nowhere else in the Old Testament are we given a clearer picture or type of Jesus Christ than in the person of Joseph. Likewise, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah is Joseph's other son. He's fourth in line for the blessing, but somehow he receives a double portion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah and Jesus and Joseph is a picture or type of Jesus. And here comes Jesus on the scene saying, I am the true vine. Doesn't it give you chills to think about the prophecy that is actually fulfilled? Every Jesus has this way about him that he's able to bring to sum up and to bring into the present. All of human history in a way that's short and concise and to the point. In fact, he is the summation of Israel's history. And he's where the earth is headed now, post-death and resurrection. Amazing. And so if you wanted to go back to that um, slide with the coins and the temple, I know it's a little bit hard to see, but the, the vine was so prominent in the way that Israelites would think about themselves. It was all over their coins, bunches of grapes and vine, pictures of vines. And then we see a a model or a relief of the temple of what Jesus would have seen in his day and all of the golden vines that are inlaid on the top of the temple. In fact, people would come from miles away in pilgrimage and donate money or things that they had fashioned themselves, gold bunches of grapes, sometimes six six foot tall. People knew themselves to be the vine of God as the people of God. And when Jesus steps on the scene, he says, you may be the people of God, yes, but there is a new way. And he says of himself, I am the true vine. That word true there is purposeful in its placement. It means authentic. He's the authentic article. All of these things that we see in Judah and Joseph and the vine, 
and pictures of the vine in the Old Testament, they're all fulfilled in the person of Jesus. No doubt when he says he is the true vine, there's imagery. Did you know? Headed into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place in the temple of God during Jesus' time, over the doorway of the Holy of Holies was what? A vine. So when Jesus says he is the true vine, He's saying also that he is the way to God. Only Jesus can say this of himself, that he is the true vine. The way into the Holy of Holies. The way into relationship with God. The way to remain in God is through and only through the person of Jesus Christ. He's our source. He's our source. Throughout this message series, I'm going to be referencing this little book. It's called The True Vine by Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was a missionary years ago in the 1800s, and it's just a lovely book. If you've not read it, it's a short little read, and it's um, not too deep theologically, as it were. It's not like a super huge like study, uh, kind of put your thinking cap on, but it, it will, in some ways, light up your heart for who Jesus is as the vine. I'd highly recommend, if you've not read it, The True Vine by Andrew Murray. And what he says about Jesus calling himself the true vine is that Jesus is our life source. Jesus is trying to say to us, to communicate to us, that he is our life source. And he whispers, Murray says, day by day, I am the true vine. All the vine can ever be to its branch I will be to you. The problem sometimes, as Julie outlined this morning during communion, is that we get connected to all sorts of false vines, don't we? Any number of things can become a false vine for us as followers of Jesus in the world. We could become connected to a relationship we know that God doesn't want us to be in. And yet still try to draw life from that false vine. We could be connected to a substance. Trying to draw life from a substance at the bottom of a bottle. We could be connected to things in an unhealthy way. Trying to draw from them the thing that's only found in Jesus. The nourishment that we need. The life, the source, is in Jesus Christ. We try, we try, we try to get connected in all sorts of ways, but the only way that we'll find life is through Jesus. He's our source. And Jesus says that he's the true vine and that his father is the gardener. And a lot of times we skip over this, but as Bridget and I were planning this series, she had this lovely picture, and I'll wait for her to share it next week. I don't want to give away too much in this, in this Sunday. But this lovely pitch, picture of who the gardener is and what that garden kind of looks like. Many of you are gardeners. I am not so much a gardener. Sarah's got the green thumb in our family. Gosh, she's a great gardener. She can make things grow and appear out of like nothing. It's amazing what she does with plants. So some of you guys, this language is familiar to you. The father is the gardener. 
you know, he knows best when to till the soil of our lives, when to prune, when to harvest, when to water the plant. And Jesus knows this as well. In John 5, 19, he says, the son can do nothing of himself, nothing. He recognizes that it's all through the father. He's entirely dependent on him. In John 14, he says, the words, even the words I speak unto you, I speak not to myself, but the father who dwells in me. He's the one who does these works. At the very heart of following Jesus is the thought that God does it all. God does it all. Our one work, if there's one work, it's to abandon ourselves to him. That's a difficult thing. As Bridget and I were planning the series, we thought, gosh, on the surface, it may seem really easy. Remain in me. Remain in me. Got it. Abide. Got it. Dwell. Okay. Cool. Got it. But man, is abiding tough. It seems like in, in some scenarios in our life, it's easier to be disconnected than it is to remain connected. It's tough work. But this is why we're all here this morning. This is, this is why we love Jesus as Ben led us in worship today. It's an act of grace that draws us near. That's at the heart of following Jesus. It's God's work in us, not our work. We did nothing to get there. We did nothing to earn God's love and favor on our lives. But it's his work in us, changing us, cleansing us. All we have to do is abide and remain in that love. The way in is the way on. That's what Wimber meant when he said the way in is the way on. The way you got here is the way you progress. A lot of times we think we have to do all of these things. We have to connect with these people. We have to um, put on a good face. We have to stop doing bad things and start doing good things. And then we'll progress in the Christian life. And Jesus is saying, rubbish. Rubbish. You didn't get in that way. You don't move on that way. So how do we move on? How do we get in? Through grace. That's the heart. It's God's work. His pruning. His tender care. Ah, ah, it hurts sometimes to be pruned. We'll talk more about that. Bridget gets to talk about that one, not me. Thanks, Bridget. Pruning hurts. It's painful sometimes to be pruned, isn't it? God says, no more of this relationship, son. No more of this relationship, daughter. But I really like this relationship. I really want to stay in this. Mm, pruned. Remain in me. That's tough. God says, no more of this substance. Don't touch it. Don't be near it. I really like the way that it makes me feel. I want to stay there. It hurts when he prunes us sometimes, doesn't it? But oh, the fruit. 
And I didn't mean to lay it all on you there, Bridget, because Bridget also gets to talk about the fruit too. And the fruit that comes from remaining is sweet and good and lasting and eternal. Because the fruit that is produced from a branch that's connected into the vine is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's kindness, it's goodness, it's patience, it's love, it's peace, joy, freedom in our lives. And that is legacy stuff. That is eternal. That's the goodness right there. So we'll talk about pruning and we'll talk about fruit. But so often we look over the role of the gardener. And before we think or we begin to think about fruit or branches, I just want us to allow our hearts to be filled with faith that as glorious as the vine Jesus is, so the gardener is glorious too. He makes each branch, each of us, what it's made to be. It's through Him, through the Father, the Son's death and resurrection and the giving of the Holy Spirit to us that we're able to be branches, that we're able to remain, that we're able to stay connected to the vine. Lastly, the branches. The branches bear fruit. The branches receive life from the vine. Uh, What else do the branches do? Funny, huh? So, this morning... I had Evan and Angela bring me a branch. Here's a branch. And this branch is a branch from their peach tree out front. Look at that, you guys. That's their tree. Those are their peaches. Doesn't it look delicious? Anybody hungry for peach cobbler? Mm Mmm. So good. Now... This branch might have held some of those peaches. Who knew? Here's the branch. And Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Now, I wonder how many, if we all just work together, could make fruit, like, happen on this branch right now. Could we do, I mean... Can't do it, can we? We're guaranteed the promise of fruit as we remain in Jesus. But I feel like we're all like these branches trying to like produce fruit. You know, maybe, maybe we could tape like some apples to it or like hammer in some like grapefruit. I don't know, but like it's just a branch. It's just a branch. And a lot of times I feel like Jesus is like, look how ridiculous you look trying to bear fruit on your own. Like you can't do it. You can't do it when there's the promise that we will bear fruit. The kind of fruit that lasts, that's eternal. If we just stay connected to the vine. If we just stay connected. And that's a challenge for me, honestly. If we're honest with one another. Because I look around and I'm like, well, what about that branch? What about that? That branch is bearing a lot of fruit. I mean, look how big that guy's ministry is. It's huge. There's thousands of people who are following them on YouTube. I mean, look at all the fruit that they're... I, am I accomplishing what they're accomplishing? And Jesus is like, stop! 
Just stop. The guarantee of fruit is right here in the words of Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How good is God? Later on in the passage, he says, bearing fruit, bear it. Put those peaches up again, Christina. Bearing, thank you, please. Bearing fruit glorifies God glorifies the Father. How often does he say, mm, a little bit of fruit, mm, tiny little bit of fruit, maybe some fruit, maybe not some fruit, you're going to bear it. No, three times he said, you will bear fruit. And then he says, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit. And then he says, you will bear more fruit. And how good is it that we have a Father to his glory that we live fruitful Loving lives towards one another and towards God just by staying connected to Jesus. That's it. Period. Much fruit. More fruit. A fruitful life. And the point is, the whole point of it is, is that it's not even about the fruit. Delicious as it looks, and I'm sure that peach cobbler is, is that it's not even, let's take that one away, Christina. Because it's not about the fruit, is it? The main point is remaining. Remaining. And regardless of when that fruit appears, how much of it there is, what season it comes in in your life, that the real joy is not found in the fruit, but it's found in staying connected to Jesus. It's the staying connected that Jesus is after. We don't get to dictate as a branch. The branch can't say to the vine, hey, it's time now. I'm ready to bear fruit. The the branch can't dictate to the vine like, hurry up already. I'm ready to go. Make apples appear on me now. No, the branch doesn't get to do that. The branch just draws life from the vine. I wanted to read this quote as we close from Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen was a contemplative and just an author who I just love. And he says this about fruit. This is so beautiful. And you don't have to do anything. There won't be any words on the screen or anything. You might want to close your eyes. I just received from this, uh, this past week and just soaked in this. He says this. Fruits come from weakness and vulnerability. And fruits are unique. A child is the fruit conceived in vulnerability Community is the fruit born through shared brokenness. And intimacy is the fruit that grows through touching one another's wounds. Let's remind one another that what brings us true joy is not successfulness, but fruitfulness.